to another episode of Married Millennials on Mics. It's Chris and Arielle who is having a problem. I am. I'm having a problem and I'm going to make you all listen to me talk about it today. Well, it's not a problem that is exclusive <laughs> to you. Actually, no. There's actually a fair number of people having this issue right now. Yes. So I am currently in search of a new therapist and I am finding it literally impossible to find one. What? How? What's your problem? I mean, I don't mean like, what are you going to therapy for? I mean, like, why can't you find why can't a therapist? I, find I mean, they, they do exist. They do exist. And there's lots of therapists in Rochester. It's not like we live in the middle of nowhere. Right. It just feels like nobody is open to taking new patients right now. Well, and there is a, it's a supply demand issue right now, right? Absolutely. Because it's a mental health problem, crisis or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and this has been going on for a while. Um, I'm not sure exactly when it started, but I do know that by like early days of the pandemic, a lot of people were trying to find therapists and couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been at least talked about more as being challenging. Right. And this is actually my second time around trying to find a new therapist. And the first time oh. I abandoned the search after a while because it was just so exhausting. And honestly, it felt like it was making my mental health worse trying to find a therapist. That's your first topic when you finally find a therapist, how hard it's been to find Honestly, a therapist. Honestly, maybe. I'm getting so frustrated. So the first time around, mm-hmm. it was really hard to find anyone that was actually t- actively taking new uh, clients. Right, right, right. Um, and then on top of that, it was hard to find um, people who were taking new clients in person, which to me was very important. Um, Is that still a, a problem? I'm still seeing... Well, so I'll get to my problem with mm-hmm. with websites like Psychology Today, Psychologist Today, Psychology Today, Psychology Today. Yeah, that one. Yeah, um, which I think is kind of a go to for a lot of people. I is. know I found my therapist on there. It's a you, it's a great search function. Yeah. So I think that I do think that one problem potentially is that I'm not sure how well updated all of those listings are. Mm. So. In this current search I've been looking, it still says a lot of people are only taking people virtually. Okay. Um, what I'm not sure of is it's possible that they have like more phone-based or virtual-based practices. Like mm-hmm. even if they're maybe not associated with something like BetterHelp, like right. if they're running something similar, um, it might be so that they can broaden the scope like geographically of who they're seeing. It might be that their maybe. practice is pretty full and it's a different you know, like, oh, I can fit in a couple new virtual patients, but don't really have time to have people in office. Right, because I want to go home and make dinner. But yeah, sure, I got nothing going on Wednesday nights at 7, so I don't really know, but I do know that when I was looking the first time around, um, more more people were doing sort of potentially even exclusively remote Mm. therapy, or that's just how they're bringing people in. And I'd been doing remote therapy for a long time, but it was with a therapist that I'd worked with for many years. And mm-hmm. so I already had a rapport and I already had a relationship yeah, right. and virtual therapy with her was great because I loved working with her. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like for me personally, and this probably isn't the case for everyone to build a relationship with a new therapist, there's something really important about having that like actual face to face in person relationship. I just think it's easier. Not everyone feels the same way. I mean, you and I are both people who have started positions fully remotely and gotten to know coworkers yeah. fully remotely. It can be done. People are better at it now, but therapy's not easy to begin with, right? Exactly. And so, especially when, correct me if I'm wrong, like you 
you see the extreme value in therapy, but it's not something you're like super excited to dive into. No. And I think that also for me, like it's hard enough to unplug from like everything else happening around you Mm -hmm. as is and it's even harder if you're literally on a computer like when I did virtual therapy I used to make a very conscious effort that like that was the only screen I had open and I turned off notifications right but you're still on your computer and you're in your own house and your phone is right next to you and like and I'm around which is yeah weird like like that's true we didn't live together when I was doing virtual therapy right exactly so like you should feel free to vent about me complain about me have an issue with me without thinking that I might be able to hear you through the walls yeah Accidentally. I actually hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I did do virtual therapy when I was like living with my parents and I guess I was just fine with that or just made sure I was in a different room. But yeah, but you but, know, like, depending on what room you're in in this house, you can still hear yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I genuinely hadn't thought about that. I, oh, yeah. I was more focused on like, I want to be able to like be present and in that moment. And I think yeah. that for a therapist to like pick up on... You know, I think when you're building a relationship with someone, there's more of like picking up on their body language and stuff like that, especially in something like therapy that can be really helpful. And like, so I don't know. So basically my first time around, I kept hitting dead ends. I did one intake call that like, I just really didn't feel a vibe with the person and otherwise just like, like kept striking out. And Mm -hmm. so I put this on pause and was like, life's been really busy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will make it a priority after the honeymoon Mm -hmm. to get a new therapist. Yes. And so I've been actively trying Mm -hmm. to get a new therapist and I have sent, I feel like I'm applying for jobs. I've sent at least like 15 inquiries. Wow. Like so many of those I've heard back from literally two. Jeez. One, to tell me that even though on Psychology Today, it says that they're open to new patients, they're not. I, I really hope that they went and updated that Well, right so after. they didn't, a- I was feeling a little bit saucy. So oh, no. they actually didn't say, like, even though it says this on my profile, they just said, my practice is at capacity at this time. Um, here are two colleagues I can recommend. Well, that was nice. Which was nice. Although then I looked at the colleagues' profiles and, like, it didn't say they specialized in the thing. Like, it's not like this person knows me. Like, mm-hmm. clearly they're just referring people that they trust, which is great, Sure, but they didn't say they specialized in the things that I Mm. am hoping for someone that specialized, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't know if I'm going to reach out to them, but I did say, I was like, I appreciate you getting back to me and I appreciate the referrals. Just so you know, Mm. it says on psychology today, you are currently taking virtual and in-person clients because for other providers, it says specifically like not accepting new clients at this time. It's not like your listing comes down just because you're not mm-hmm. accepting people. Right. So I don't know. They didn't respond to that. But I felt like it was important okay. to say yeah. because, yeah, it's really fucking hard. And it's like annoying to get like a rejection letter. Yeah. Well, you wasted your time. I wasted my time. Yeah. And then the other one I heard back from set up an intake call with me. Mm-hmm. That was supposed to be a 15 minute call. And she showed up or she called me 15 minutes late. So, like, at that point, the call was already supposed to be over. And this was a work day. A work day. So, yes. your time isn't, it's not like you're, it's not like it's just Saturday and you're having a cocktail right. and you have all the time in the world. And we were supposed to chat at 8.30 in the morning. Yeah. So, if it went a little over 15 minutes, like, not a big deal. But for her to call me at 8.45 on a work day, I think when then I had of, meetings starting, like, yeah, no. I think part of the problem with that is that that's if she's willing to do that on the intake well that's that's literally what i said when she called i was like oh i kind of thought you were standing me up and i didn't say it quite like that but like 
I said, I think it's really important in a therapist and a client relationship that there's a lot of trust and respect and you showing up 15 minutes late makes it hard for me to think that you're going to respect my time. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good foot to start on. So no. unfortunately, like I don't want to waste your time, but even having this intake call, um, I don't see us working together. Yeah. And she was like pretty defensive. And I was like, well, no, like you I didn't think, even apologize. I think a few minutes late is understandable. Um, Up to five. Yeah. You're, you're, you're late to meetings pretty often. Usually not more than two to three minutes. Okay. Yeah, I think up to five is fine. I think up to ten, and you really, really need yeah. to give like a. I'm not, oh, wait, hold on. I think you really yeah. need to give like an, a a big apology. Yeah, and I think you should, um, if you can send. I mean, like send an email, send a text, be like, "Hey, I'm running late," or whatever. Fifteen, exactly. 15 minutes is is a lot, and I know there's people listening right now who are like, "Yeah, but like, you know, especially anyone who works in the medical field." Uh, because it's, it's very common for doctors to be late. So yeah. you're probably thinking defensively right now, like, well, it happens. You can't control what's, what's going on. Yes, but um, your meetings with the therapist or with a doctor in general, I kind of have a, a bone to pick with doctors in general. No mm-hmm. offense. You know, it's just, it's annoying. Are not cheap. They're so expensive. Yeah. And so I'm sorry, like if I'm going to spend $100 to $200 on this hour, I better be your friggin' queen for this hour. I'm sorry. I'm not, I don't, I'm not rolling in dough. Yeah. And for you to like, you, you can, it's just common courtesy. Well, Send a text. Yeah. And, and I do feel like it's always annoying when doctors are late. Like it's always so annoying. Yeah. That, but, that I have more patience for because I, I understand like, yeah, because with a therapy session, you do kind of an end time. You're supposed to have well, an end you're time. You're paying for, I think the, a difference is usually with a doctor. Yeah. You're not paying by time in the same way. No. So, not. but for you're therapy, not. you are. It's issue. And you're so, paying by issue. Exactly. Right? So yeah. if for a therapist, if they show up late to a session, then they basically have to give you that extra time on the back end, mm-hmm. which that means that they're probably eating into another session. Right. They're, so they're not going to want to do that. No. So if they show up late, like it's, it's yes. just, it's different. Yes. Like, yes. And I think another difference, and this was a, <laughs> yeah. this was a phone thing. Um, which is going to be different than being in person anyways. But there is something to be said for like, you're waiting for the doctor or the dentist or the whatever, and they're mm-hmm. running st- behind, but you've checked in with the receptionist and mm-hmm. like, they know that you're there yeah. and like, it doesn't make it less annoying to be waiting, but it's kind of like, okay, well they're going to show. Like yeah. I was just sitting, staring at my phone for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. There's no like receptionist being like, you're so right. sorry. She's right. with another patient right now. She'll be right with you. Right. Like, yeah. No, you're right. It, it is different. Yeah. Sorry. I'm so sensitive with, I, I've, I've been left waiting in the doctor's rooms and that white walled room with me and my thoughts and the fan humming for like 45 minutes. Oh no, before. it's absolutely awful. And like, I get it. You're busy. People need your, you to save their yeah. lives. But like, anyways, it, I, an update would be great. Well, Someone and that's, just, you know, and that's pretty much what I said. Cause anyways. cause when she, when this therapist was like pretty unapologetic, she said, yeah, what, I, what did she say? She said she had another intake right before me and it ran over. Okay. So in my mind, I'm like, don't schedule 15 minute intakes back to back to back with no wiggle room. If you know they're going like, to be longer. Or if you're not going to cut someone off at exactly 15 minutes or whatever, yeah. which I'm like, I kind of appreciate that you didn't want to cut that person off. That's great. But yeah. then you should have left yourself some wiggle room or shot me an email or like a message or something like that. Yeah, poor planning on her. It's part. poor planning. It's trying to, it's clearly trying to squeeze too much in like, which is something I want to get to actually. 
Yeah. In a bit. But yeah, it just, and so then it felt very like, almost like how dare you be upset because I was doing my job. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I get that. But Mm -hmm. frankly, I don't like, I don't personally care about your other patients. Mm -hmm. I care about how you are as a therapist and how you're going to build a relationship with me. Mm -hmm. So don't like, that's not making me feel better by you saying, Oh, I was giving someone else time because I didn't want to cut them off. Is part of this problem that like, she doesn't really need you. Cause like you said, like supply and demand and all that, because you know, in a more balanced system, she might be like, I'm really sorry. You know, uh, how about I give you the first session on the, on, you know, the house or whatever. And like, right. see, see if I can win you back. I'm sorry. This is not who I am. You know, but right now she's like, yeah, I have 15 other people yep. in line and I only have so many hours in the day. Goodbye. Yeah. You know, and that sucks. That makes your life hard. It does. And it just feels like. To get help. It makes it hard for it you to it, get help. Well, that's the thing. And so I'm like, how many more like trees do I bark up before yet again? I mm-hmm. am like, this is li- like literally putting a strain on my mental health, just trying to get help. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to do it. And so what I would like to talk about today, Mm -hmm. because we're not really just here to vent about how hard it is to find a therapist. Even though it is. Even though it is. But so tomorrow is a world mental health day. Yes. Um, so we're having a mental health podcast. We're having a mental health podcast. Um, and I basically just talked about, my current struggle getting a therapist and why I have abandoned the search before. And you, how do I put this? You, you could benefit from an unbiased source to talk to. I know this. I I loved being in therapy. And I, like I said, so I've been in therapy on and off for 10 plus. No. Oh my gosh. Like 14 years. Wow. Um, guys, it's, uh, it's almost 2024. I don't know if you know that. Uh, clearly yeah. I did not. Uh, and when I started that <laughs> sentence, um, so I know that I would benefit from therapy, but it is so hard to find a therapist and it is so hard to then find a good therapist and build a good relationship with yes. a therapist because I also, I, so I've worked with four therapists okay. like in my time, two were great mm-hmm. and two were awful and if the experiences had potentially been reversed and I had an awful therapist the first time I went to therapy, there's no way I would have gone back. I would have been like, this is a scam. No. And what I think um, right now listening, people are, are maybe naturally thinking, well, have you thought about any of the the apps, the therapy apps, which we won't, we don't have to really mention. Um, okay. I will. I, I did better help at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to find out clearly right now that this podcast is not sponsored by better help because I had, a, I did not. I mean, I, I enjoyed, the woman was nice. We put this way, this way. I liked her. I think she had, there were certain things that nuggets of, of truth and mental health wisdom and things like that that Mm -hmm. she gave me that were actually very helpful. And I still use, um, overall though, the experience was terrible because she was, you mentioned, um, Therapist being too busy. Yeah. She was very clearly overworked. She had her own, I know she, because she, she told me, she had her own separate practice where she saw patients in person. Mm-hmm. BetterHelp was kind of like her side gig. And it became kind of clear that she was helping me on the side. Uh, an example is there was one time where we had an appointment and unclear if she forgot 
or if she actually planned on, it's almost worse if she planned on this, but she ended up, she had to pick up her son from like soccer practice or something. And she's like, do you mind if, uh, you know, if I, if we do therapy in the car on the phone, I was like, okay, I guess I, it took me a while before I realized that like I was on speakerphone. Yeah. Even after her son was in the car. That's so inappropriate. It was weird. Uh, and yes, inappropriate. There were, there were many other times. I don't times. even know if that's like above board. Like I don't know. Um, but her son very, yeah, it, it was very weird. Very weird. Uh, and then there were plenty of other times where um, her camera was off. Because again, this is all over like Zoom. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I could tell she was doing things. And then there were other times where her camera was, was on. But a few times her son came in to ask her a question. She's like, you no. hold on a sec. You know, and it's not like her son was like four. Her son was like 17 living at home. Just like, mom, can I get, where are the car keys? And she was like, hold <laughs> on a second. And like, oh yeah, they're on the kitchen table. And I'm like pouring my heart out to you. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it, it sucked. Now that, now that to be said, another disclaimer is I've only ever gone through one therapist on one of these apps. It's possible that I got a tough situation. You know, but I don't know that. I mean, I guess it's not a reason to, it's not to never so try much it. about the apps like in that story. It's that it turned me off to the app, though. Yeah. And I think that so many people have had negative experiences going to therapy, which then turns them off of therapy. Sure. And there is a lot of stigmatization still about mental health and about getting help for mental health. Yes. And. It every time that myself or you or someone else close to us encounters a situation that makes it harder for them to get help for themselves. Right. Or good help or good help or whatever it. Yeah. It just, I'm like, well, no wonder, like Mm -hmm. no wonder people don't want to try to seek out someone like my worst experience was, um, I was in college and I went to like the student health or student mental health services, not like, you know, where you went to get tested for mono. Um, Our therapy place at, uh, at Brockport, it was the same building. Okay. Yeah. Ours was separate. Yeah. Um, and I had just spent the summer in a pretty intensive, like outpatient um, eating disorder recovery program. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that had been my first time in therapy. Um, I really loved the therapist I worked with. Yeah. It was very helpful, even though it was something I did not want to do. Mm-hmm. And when I got back to campus, I was supposed to continue to see someone. Mm-hmm. Not like for any type of intensive like treatment, but because eating disorders are a mental health disorder. And yeah. even if, you know, we'd sort of quote unquote fixed the the more acute problem, mm-hmm. all of the, all of that other baggage and everything that, you know, came with it. And like my relationship with food is not like it was just like snap your fingers. It's magically healed. Right, right. Um, I, in the course of that summer, um, discovered, I also have a thyroid issue. Mm. Um, in going through treatment, I gained a lot of weight. Um, and, but wasn't like over overweight, kind of just like gained a lot of weight really quickly. And, mm-hmm. you know, sure. Um, went into, you know, the student mental health services and they were like, blah, blah, blah. What brings you here? Have you done therapy before? What's your story? So I shared my story. 
And this was the first time I'd ever like taken myself to therapy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, so yeah, I guess I'm kind of here for maintenance, but also, you know, I had just, you know, three, four months earlier been diagnosed with like anorexia nervosa with bulimic tendencies. Like, so that was still really real. And she looks at me and she goes, well, you don't look anorexic. Come on. True. Like straight up. And I'm like, you are a mental health clinician. Like. You don't look like you have a problem. Right. And I'm like. Rough. And and it's one of those things where like, and I'm sitting there being like, I understand that I've gained 40 pounds in like a month. Like I'm not feeling particularly comfortable in my own body, but then it's like, <laughs> what? So if I had come in before I'd like gained the weight when I was like scary, scary skinny. And I was like, I have yeah. anorexia. You would be like, yes, you do look the part. Like it's not yeah. about how you look like anyone who knows anything about eating disorders know that it actually has nothing to do with weight. Well, that, like, that that's or, me. I mean, it can for the person it going can. through it, but like, you don't, it, you don't look that like, sucks. It, like that's not, that's like, I'm, I'm sorry. What? Like your appropriate question is like, well, how much of the day do you spend thinking about food? Right. Like, right, right. tell me what's going does on. Does it affect right. your ability to like have friendships and social <laughs> right. interactions? Is this occupying your life? If yes, yeah. you're right. You do. You are still suffering from eating disorder. Right. If no, okay. Maybe you've actually dealt with the entire problem in yeah. four months said no one ever, but let's unpack like the anxiety and everything that got you into that issue of needing control in the first place. I am. I don't know. Ooh, I, I am. I am shocked to hear that story about someone who was in the mental health field. I would not be shocked to hear that story from just a random person no. because I, people do have these boxes that they yeah, put yeah. each mental health disorder in. You know, I get that with, uh, with my OCD, right. you know, which I've been, uh, to therapy for on and off for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the amount of people, Oh God, this, here we go. Where's the soapbox? Popping on. <laughs> um, I, it, it really, I know anyone who does this doesn't mean any malice, but please stop using OCD as an adjective yeah. or saying like, or, or something like light and like fun, like, oh, well, I'm a little OCD about this or like, like, oh, my OCD, this, like maybe you have OCD, but just enjoying like having color coded, a color coded uh, binder with tabs. Doesn't necessarily like no. Equating that with with now, if your color codes get wrong and don't follow uh, the Roy G. Biv pattern, and it's going to keep you all night up all night because you think the fact that it's out of order means that your family's going to die for some reason. Maybe then you have OCD. Yep. But just saying that you like organization doesn't make you a little OCD. No, it makes you a little Leslie Nope. Right, and like I also, by the way, love color coordination. I'm with you, but like people use it as like uh, I don't know, like a personality trait. When it's it's a disorder. Oh my gosh! And, all and the they, time they use it in a very light, carefree way, mm-hmm. and uh, and it drives me nuts. It really drives me nuts. I you know I have a mental health uh, shirt, mental health shirt. <laughs> it sounds like it's like a weighted blanket. It's like my my, my mental health shirt. No, you and I last year, uh, about a year ago, did uh, a walk for OCD. Yeah. So I have a shirt that says something about like uh, like OCD walk, whatever. So it's it's clear what it was. And I had, I wore it someday, one day, and I had somebody uh, that that I work with, he didn't mean anything by it, but like, just kind of, he just made some, I don't know, joke. He's like, well, I'm a little, 
a little OCD myself. He's like, you know, was was at the walk, everyone counting their steps or something like that. And I was like, huh. I don't know, it just kind of it just kind of bothered me that like this disorder, which is very debilitating for yeah. a lot of people, uh, is a joke. Yeah, and I I think that OCD because it's become adjective. It's, it, people use it as an adjective. Yeah, I was gonna say, say ad- adjectified, ad- but that's not a word. I don't know if that's a word. That's definitely not a word. That's not yeah. that's not a word. But like because of that, it gets yeah. thrown around a lot, and like you said, sort of gets conflated with people who like organization or who like whatever. And I've got to say, like honestly, even until like you and I got together and we talked more about your OCD, mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily understand like the magical thinking component sure. of it or like the, the control if the, well, the control I definitely understood. And I understood where OCD and anxieties like overlapped sort of right. in that. What I didn't really understand was the like, if this, then that type of thinking that happens. Yeah. And I'm not, I and I or that not, can happen. Yeah, I, there's a million different forms right. of of OCD. I I am not and don't pretend to be any kind of mental health professional. I just I'm in the game because I have OCD. Yeah, you know. So like I've done a fair number of research. I'll, I've read a lot that therapists have told me to read. So yep. I've, I've become knowledgeable about my own disorder through that. Um, but yeah, it, yeah. There there is a, people have this image of like Sheldon Cooper on uh, Big Bang Theory, mm-hmm. you know, where he's like, Leonard, knock, 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 Leonard. Like, and he has to like knock on the door a certain number of times before he gets in. And like, it, it, it's a joke. It, that is a joke in the yeah. show, right? But like most people, when I tell them that I have OCD, um, are like, you do? Because I'm not doing, I'm not like flicking the switches, which is like another like, classic, like yeah. gotta turn this light switch on and off three times, you know, like a cliche, right? Or like uh, the other character, um, Monk, I've never yeah. seen the show, but like he's like a he's known of having OCD. I've never watched that, so I actually don't know how accurate that is. But then I mean, like here, here's a good example of someone who's a real person. Howie Mandel has OCD. Yeah, you know he's and he is uh, like he's a comedian, you know, and he's you know he's got good like social skills and like so there's just like people. It's not one box similar to with your eating disorder. Um, it, it's like not like everybody who has anorexia is supposed to look a certain way, right? You know. Exactly. And, and even more so, I think with anxiety, which is so like I've had, I guess at the same time that I got diagnosed with eating disorder, I also got diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and was basically, I have now worked through, through a decade and a half therapy that like the anxiety is mostly what fed into the need for control, which is what fed into the eating disorder. And like, these things are all like really interrelated for a lot of people. For me as well. At this point- I thankfully, and because of a lot of work, have my eating disorder really under control mm-hmm. for the most part. There's still days and, you know, weeks or whatever that like the voices in my head are louder than others, um, which I realize makes me sound like, I don't, I don't mean no, actual no, voices no, in no, my no, head, no. but like one we thing I worked mean. on with my therapist was to basically give the eating disorder its own voice. So like okay. I sort of do hear it yeah, that way and like, then thing. we'll sort of fight about it and I'll be like, sure. shut the fuck up. Like go away, let me go have fun and like right. drink whatever I want to drink and eat whatever I want to dr- like eat. And my friends aren't going to all hate me if I like right. fuck up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely still have anxiety. And like, that is a, that is something that I confront every day. It keeps me up at night. Like mm-hmm. truly I have awful insomnia because of it. Um, mm-hmm. When I get into a panic spiral, I find it very hard to get out of it. 
Um, sometimes it will be, everything will be fine. And then like, it'll settle in. It's like, there's an elephant on my chest and I can't breathe. Like, mm-hmm. this is still something that, that happens and has happened for a long time. For sure. And I actually shared about my anxiety on LinkedIn last year for the first time. And I started the post by, it was a photo of me. Um, and it said, this is the face of anxiety or rather this is one of the many faces of anxiety because anxiety mm. doesn't discriminate and it doesn't look the same from person to person. Yeah. Um, but I do think that people have, I mean, there's so many stereotypes or misconceptions about all of these disorders, whether it be OCD or anxiety or depression or eating disorders or, mm-hmm. you know, anything else that like, Oh, well, someone with anxiety, like that's got to transcend like every aspect of life. You know, it's the person like hyperventilating on the plane or, you know, mm-hmm. shaking like before going out, whatever. Right, and it's like, right. no, like th- that's anxiety. Like there's different types of anxiety and it manifests in different ways. And, and I'm someone who tends to push through it. Yeah. So there's a lot of people in my life who've never seen me have a panic attack. Then there's people who have, and like, it's very, very real, but yeah. I try to keep it all like, right. you know, buttoned up and, you know, I'm not one to be like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get this thing done or I'm not showing up to this meeting because my anxiety is too bad. Like, right. I just, I show up. Right, 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 exactly. Part of the reason that we're choosing to talk about this today is not just because you couldn't find a, a therapist and we decided to turn our podcast into your therapy, uh, although we can well, do we that. we could do we that. We could do that. And nobody's listening anymore. Yeah. Um, or that's when we start getting calls from the licensed mental health professionals in our life. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Chris is... Chris should not be giving you this advice. <laughs> he is a very biased. Yes, I yes. <laughs> um, Part of the reason we're, we're, we're sharing this is it, it has helped me and I think you as well when people we know and love and respect, yeah. um, especially those who I look up to, cert, there are certain celebrities I look up to um, who talk about their mental health and certain things they've Definitely. gone through. And that, all, that makes me feel better because- a perfect example. Um, I like Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. I really find him hilarious. Uh, I think he's an incredible content creator, mm-hmm. uh, business person. And, you know, being in the content creation business, like I, I look up to him. I think he's like, he's really good at what he does. Yeah. And not that long ago, he revealed that like he does deal with anxiety and just being like, wow, like the guy who can film Deadpool and do all these like things yeah. that like, you know, uh, that I find hilarious and respect, uh, can deal with that and still do that. Well then I can too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not trying to be in a Marvel movie, but you know what I mean? Like, no, um, like I can do whatever I'm looking to 100%. do. A hundred percent. And you can too. You and know? I think. So that's why we're sharing. Yeah. A hundred percent. Not that anyone looks up to I us. I was going to say, I don't know that anyone's <laughs> equating us to Ryan Reynolds, but I do think that we grew up in a transitional era um, where mental health was talked about in pockets Mm. um, and diagnosed mental health disorders were diagnosed in pockets. Sure. Um, More so than the generation above us for sure, where it was like, we don't talk about this, Mm -hmm. Um, but definitely less so than the generation that we're seeing now where it seems like discussing mental health is much more prevalent and like, kids being in therapy is much more prevalent. And obviously this is a vast generalization because we don't know. Well, the numbers, but a lot of it's also cultural. And like, you look at like numbers are much 
discussion of mental health is much lower um, in immigrant groups in America. Sure. Um, there's always going to be, you know, cultural biases and, and family by family scenarios and, you know, that kind of right. thing. We don't have hard data. Yeah. I mean, there's some data, but we, I don't have that with me. Like, I've looked at a little bit of it. Okay. Um, but regardless, yeah. I think in the nineties it was, there was a lot of misinformation and a lot of still saying, you know, shove it under the rug. Yeah. Um, and that made it hard because even though I grew up in a household where we did talk more about those things, my sure. mom's a therapist and it was always kind of normalized. It didn't feel like, I don't know. It didn't feel like it was something you could even really talk about with your friends. And I've found out like way after the fact, it's like so many of us were going through like really similar things, but like mm -hmm. we weren't sitting around the lunch table talking about our panic attacks. Well, no, no. And I think naturally people don't, people have a fear of being viewed as, as weak. Exactly. Whether it be from a physical or a mental mm -hmm. standpoint. So I guess I'm not surprised to hear that. I was the same way. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm not, I'm not proud of this, but like the first time I ever heard of somebody having anxiety, Mm -hmm. I was a sophomore in college. So that was pretty late. Yeah. You know, um, that was what, like 2011. And I remember I didn't, it took me a while to, before I got it. And the ironic part too, by the way, side aside is I was already in therapy for OCD. Mm -hmm. But um, I remember him telling, a, a good friend of mine saying that he had anxiety. And I joked with him too. I was like, yeah, do you have happiness as well? Because like anxiety is just an emotion. Mm -hmm. We all have anxiety, bro. You know, and he's like, no, like, and then, and then I eventually like chatting with him more. I understood it yeah, um, as best as I could and realized, oh yeah, like that's part of my OCD as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but I thank him for talking about it um, and uh, teaching me yeah. what, what that was and realizing then slowly that more and more people. Yeah. He was kind of like one of the first to, you know, that must've been kind of hard to be mm -hmm. in our friend group to and come like out mention that about he was it. going through something. Yeah. And you know, and I'm sorry that I've reacted so poorly. Yeah, <laughs> but it's hard. And I mean, there is a bit of an etymology thing around anxiety and depression. Um, yeah. Differently than OCD, where like OCD should never be used as an adjective. But you can feel depressed without being depressed. Yeah. You can have that emotion right, of like right. that sort of extreme sadness. Sure. And you can feel anxious without having anxiety. Yeah. So like right. that does make it, I think, like... Obviously your joke was like misinformed because it wasn't something that was being talked about, yeah. but it also like, I could understand how if like no one had really explained the difference between like having anxiety or an anxiety disorder mm -hmm. and just feeling like, you know, that like nervousness or anxiousness right. that can come before doing, I don't know, something like going to college or something like that, that like right. probably everyone's experienced at some point in their lives. It's hard to differentiate between the two especially when you use the people will use the words very commonly like oh i have a lot of anxiety yeah. about this test coming up or something like that it's and like to okay be fair i do that like yeah, i'll say you. oh i have a lot of anxiety about you know right yeah. like some work presentation but i actually don't mean like it's not my anxiety disorder right acting up like well, that's that just like and so like, even I do it, like I use the word to mean two different things at different times. Right, like right, right. I'm not panicking about this presentation. I'm just, I like, like I, I almost prefer when, uh, the term like, like, like generalized anxiety disorder. When I hear that, I'm like, Oh, that, that feels like a very big, I'm like, Whoa, that's, that's, you know, yeah. um, because it, like you're saying, like 
saying you have anxiety, like is, it is an emotion that people who don't have a disorder feel as well. So yeah, yeah. it's confusing. So, um, hearing, I had never heard of generalized anxiety disorder prior to that year as well. Right. Um, and I didn't really, that almost helped me understand like, oh, this is a disorder. You're not just nervous, you know? Right. Um, right. But yeah. we were talking about how, you know, things are getting better. Um, people are talking more. Um, at the same time, I, I might offend some people. I might offend the, you know, might get canceled. We'll see. Oh no. But no, you're like, Oh God. Um, I do feel like, uh, the generation after us, sort of that's Gen Z, um, and some of our generation as well has maybe taken it a little too far. Mm. Um, in the sense that like men mental health is extremely important. Yeah. Mental health is something that I see as, you know, just as important as physical health, but mental health, taking care of your mental health does not mean your entire life should be comfortable. And if anything gets in the way of that yeah. comfort, then it's a problem and you need, you need to cancel them and you need to expel them from your life. And you shouldn't have to have any adversity or challenges in your life at all because it gets in the way of your mental health. Um, that, to me is uh, I think actually potentially making things worse because I feel as if very often some of the best moments of my life have been me diving into something that was unknown, maybe yeah. difficult. Like for example, by the way, you know, I was nervous before our first date. Should I have canceled our first date because it wasn't good for, you know, like it wasn't comfortable? No, I'm really effing glad yeah. <laughs> that, you know, I did that. And there's been a lot of challenges Every relationship has challenges. You know, you fight, you work through things. Mm -hmm. That's not comfortable. And I, I'm not going to name names, uh, but I, I know people, I know people who I see them, I don't know, uh, shying away from certain challenges um, that I, now I'm not them, but I feel like maybe, maybe they would actually be better off if they tried. You know, um, to yeah, to face that discomfort. Um, I do. I do. Am, I, am I talking about? Am I saying this right? I don't. I, know. I think so. I think that what you're saying is there's a difference between being open about talking about mental health and and, and doing things to protect yes and guardrail and 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 prioritizing it. Yeah, that's the better word. The guardrail. Um your mental health mm -hmm. and not like we're the generation of grind culture, you know? Right. And that's horrible for mental health because sure. that's a culture that literally says never take a sick day mm -hmm. period. Right. Never ever like right. never slow down. Right. So if you can't take a day off when you have the flu, mm -hmm. you definitely can't take the day off when like right. you're having a panic attack. Right. Um, so like, we grew up with, I think, a lot of that internalized. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's good. I think you should take off when you have the flu. And I think that you should take off when you're having an active panic attack. Yeah. Because, or, or need an extra day or so right, to, get to, to, you know, get for whatever your reason. life in order. But like, I think that, yeah, mental health is health. And so if you're in yes. a mental health crisis or, yeah, just like, you know that like you need that day, mm -hmm. take it. Yes. And that's important. And I think that that's a... a pretty big shift yes. from the way that like we were really like raised might be the wrong word, but like mm -hmm. societally raised. Yes. Um, 
And I think that one of the ways that we get there is by talking more about our mental health. And like you said, with Ryan Reynolds, like I'll go a step, you know, closer to home from that. Like I have found it really, really impactful when like direct managers of mine or leaders at companies I've been at who I respect and who, you know, firsthand I see as sort of Mm -hmm. being like successful in like an attainable way. Like I'm not trying to be Ryan Reynolds. Yes. When they talk about their mental health or they say, I'm signing off for two hours. I need to go for a walk and clear my head. Like that gives that permission of like, okay, like I'm feeling really panicky. I can also step away from my computer for an hour and clear my head and then get back into it because someone who I view as being successful has sort of greenlit that and made that feel normal. And sorry, go ahead. Well, so I was going to say, I think that's so important. And probably makes them better at their job. Yeah. And I think talking about it and being honest about like, I have depression and I'm taking this and I have anxiety and I'm taking this and I have ADHD and I have OCD mm-hmm. and I have what like whatever it is that people have for them to be able to say that and then to, you know, still be part of, you know, the cogs of life. Mm-hmm. It makes it, at least for me, much easier to say, raise my hand and say, same. Yeah. I have anxiety yeah. and I, you know, I'm in eating disorder recovery, but like I'm mm-hmm. here and we're doing it and, right. and whatever. I think it's when people make their mental health disorder their entire personality and expect differential treatment or preferential treatment to an extreme because of it, that sometimes that can almost hurt the cause. Can you elaborate? So I think that's sort of what you're saying about like never doing anything that's uncomfortable. Like if I never did anything that could be a potential trigger for my anxiety, Mm. I would essentially do nothing. And then that kind of gives a bad name to saying, hey, I have anxiety. Yeah. So I want to I wanna maybe clarify or make sure I understand. So you're saying expecting uh, different treatment. Uh, I'm saying more from within. So you're saying like the, uh, the people expect different treatment uh, all around to I, help. I think that there's a limit. Because I, I, I think I what guess, you're saying too is that if you didn't go out, you were saying, but that's still on you. Yeah. Okay. So, you know? so maybe that's part of it. But I, I also think it's saying sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to push yourself. Yeah. And sometimes you have to take that day and striking a balance and not. Balances everything. Taking. Right. Every single day. Or I'm yeah. not saying employers like. Don't set any limit to like how many personal days someone can take. <laughs> right. because oh, like, oh, I see. I see. Yes, yes, yes. Like that's, I guess that's sort of what I'm saying is like, yeah. like there's this balance. And I think as long as people don't, I don't want to say abuse the system because that also like some people might need a lot more than others. And you, but like, yeah. I think that, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I just think that. It's a balance of learning to live with something. Yeah. You, not sweeping it under the rug. But also not, I guess, letting it dictate your life. Right. And I, yeah, I guess what I'm getting at as well to kind of go on that is like, if you have, you know, I love a good metaphor. If you have a broken ankle, don't go for a run, get help. But Mm, I'm bad at that. But uh, if queen of running on broken ankles. Right. But if you can go for that run, you get stronger through the pain and like it might not be comfortable to do, mm-hmm. but you're going to become stronger because of it. And I think too many people are, you know, maybe sitting on the metaphorical couch, uh, afraid to run because, and maybe feel like they shouldn't have to run 
but then are depressed because they're on the couch. The metaphors always go too far. Um, yeah. But, 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 but you know what I mean? Like, like I guess what I'm saying is like, like uh, struggle can create strength. And I think people at times have gone, it's not everybody, not even the majority, but a lot of people have gone a little bit too far into then thinking that their entire life should be bubble wrapped. Um, yeah. and, and this is, and I, and then are questioning why they don't have the things they want. Sometimes you have to do uncomfortable things to get to a comfortable place yeah. or to get to a place where you feel joy. Well, and I think, I know for me personally, and I, again, we're not mental health professionals. No, not even close. Um, but the reason that I go to therapy is to help me build a tool set in order to live with yeah. my mental health disorders. Yeah. And that's so much of what therapy is. Right. And so much about, I mean, I also am very pro medicating if that's what you need. Like, yeah. I think that there's a lot of tools out there and it's about building a toolkit. I agree. Um, you wouldn't not take, you know, penicillin if you had strep throat, just, you know. I wouldn't because I'm allergic. Okay. Actually, yeah, that's true. You wouldn't, but I would. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, what, like yeah. why wouldn't you take, and I know like there's a million side effects and they affect people differently. And yeah. I'm again, right. not a clinician and not, no, what, but I'm just saying like, there's a lot of tools out there. Yeah. And for me being in therapy, trying to be in therapy is I know a tool that helps it so that my anxiety doesn't dictate my life and right. that I can, right. and my eating disorder doesn't dictate my life and, and that I can live a well-rounded fulfilled life with it. Yes. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, like that's sort of, right. I guess what my, what my hope would be is for sort of everyone out there, whether it's, it's the people on either extreme, the people who are saying, I have this anxiety, so I'm not going to leave my couch or do anything or try to, you know, fix it. I'm just going to hope that, you know, uh, the world's lets me or that I find a place in the world where like I'd never have to leave my comfort zone and the people on the other extreme who say I'm just going to push through all the time mm -hmm. and mental health isn't real or important or right. I'm never going to get therapy I'm never going right. to go on meds and I'm just going to like push 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 it's like I feel like meeting somewhere in the middle mm -hmm. and yeah the truth usually lies somewhere professionals out there who can help you meet someone in the middle right right to, to my final uh, kind of just to wrap up what I'm saying here um, is like, I, yeah, I, I think the more we talk about it, the better, Yeah. the more you're, you're uh, it takes courage to try and get help. Um, and so I'm, I'm proud of you for, for trying to find help still, but not, life will not be easy. Don't, ex I, and I don't expect, and I don't think anyone should expect their hand to be held all the time. Life sucks. Life is hard. And like, life is hard, you know, uh, Anyways, I'm sure I've upset a lot of people listening today and good. Life's not comfortable. Oh my God. No, you know? that was not. You're gonna have to learn how to get over it. And it and, and the person's like, yeah, by tweeting about you. Great. Good, no, no, good, no, good, no. good, 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 good. But yeah, in the spirit of mental health yeah. day though. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're doing well. And uh, I hope that us talking about this maybe helped in some teeny tiny way, whether it's because you've been going through something that, you know, you've felt alone in mm -hmm. or you've also been really struggling to find a therapist and that's been fucking demoralizing. So yeah, I, I we're, also, we're all 
I don't know. We're all in this boat together. Every time I say this, I truly mean it. And I, people have taken me up on this and I'm, I'm always here for it. If you need someone to talk to, I, I'm a good listener, despite that I talk for a living. Like I can also listen. Um, so yeah, let me know. Uh, and have a great friggin' week. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye, Bye. now. Bye.